0: All right, well, good morning to everyone, and happy Mother's Day to all those who are moms or have moms, whichever one you fall into those categories. Happy Mother's Day. We are in part two of a series called Living Hospitality, which is the perfect topic to talk about on Mother's Day. Because when it comes to hospitality, which we defined last week, remember, for those who are here last week, hospitality is different than fellowship. Fellowship is about loving your neighbor and loving your friends. Hospitality is about loving the stranger, loving the person that you don't know. loving the person that's different from you loving the needy person who better exemplifies hospitality than moms so perfect topic here for today as we celebrate our moms together but more importantly we celebrate and we challenge ourselves to live a life of hospitality that jesus called us to and if you were here last week we talked and we started this topic and I say we're gonna talk about, about hospitality, and you're like, yeah, hospitality, like who cares? Dinner party, pigs in the blanket, like you jello recipes, like who cares? No, what we talked about like we saw last week is hospitality is a lot more important a topic than my, many of us have realized. And we saw several passages, I'll bring you one of them right here, right now, that connected hospitality to judgment. That connected hospitality to the end times. Okay, for example, there's that famous parable that Jesus talked about in Matthew 25, where he said, at the end. The the father's gonna come like a shepherd and to divide the sheep from the goats. And what's gonna be the deciding factor of the sheep on one side, the goats on the other, is how we treated the stranger, the poor, the hungry, the thirsty, that's hospitality. And Jesus said, that has a part in our judgment. Jesus also gave a parable in Luke chapter 12, all right, where he taught, Luke 14, I'm sorry, where he said, when you give a dinner or a supper and invite people to your home, don't invite your brothers, don't invite your friends, don't invite your relatives, Don't invite your rich neighbors. Don't invite people who can pay you back. Again, I'm not against those things, but that's fellowship. That's not hospitality. Jesus said, when you throw a dinner party, who do you invite? You invite the poor, the blind, the lame, the maimed. You invite the people who cannot repay you back. And he said this, that you shall be blessed when you do that, and you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So again, Jesus connected hospitality with final judgment. And then our theme verse for this series from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9. St. Peter says, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Be hospitable to one another. The more we see the end is coming, the more we have to step up our hospitality game because hospitality is more than just fancy dinners. What hospitality is is showing the love of Christ to someone in need. It's not your brother, sister, father, mother. It's not the cool kids in school. It's not the rich neighbors who may be able to do something for you. It's not the influential people. It's the person who cannot repay you. And that is an essential part of what Christianity is all about. That was last week. Today, what we're gonna see is how those same, that same principle of hospitality applies not just to us as individuals, but to us collectively as a church. And it's not just our own homes, wherever it is that we may live, but it's our collective home here our church home, where we must take seriously the command to love the stranger, to love the orphan, to love the widow, to love the needy. And collectively, if we are truly gonna be the people of God, this has to be a defining characteristic of us. And I'm gonna show you some verses from the Old Testament. You know, back in the Old Testament, hospitality wasn't something that was preached very much outside of like the Jews stuck to the Jews and the Jews didn't really care much about people outside. But listen to what Old Testament, okay? it talks about strangers. Again, hospitality comes from love of strangers. Exodus 23, verse nine. Also, you shall not oppress a stranger for you know the heart of a stranger because you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Moses tells the people that God is commanding us that when a stranger comes through who adds no value to you or you know nothing about him, you don't oppress him. You're kind to him because you yourselves were strangers. Deuteronomy chapter 10. God shows no partiality nor takes a bribe. He administers justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the stranger giving him food and clothing. Therefore, you love the stranger. For again, you were strangers in the land of Egypt. One last one to bring it home, Leviticus 19. And if a stranger dwells with you in your land, you shall not mistreat him. The stranger who dwells among you shall be to you as one born among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You didn't know the word stranger was that many times in the Bible, did you? Oh, I think I set off someone's Siri phone or something like that, I must have said something. That's happened before. You didn't realize the word stranger was that many times in the Bible, did you? But it's clear that God cares about the stranger. And let me ask you this question. Have you ever felt as a stranger? You ever been in a place where you were the stranger? Where you were felt rejected? Unwelcome? Unloved? Everyone's got a story, right? Everyone's got a story of some point in time where they were the guy that was. The guy who didn't fit. And everyone around them made them feel that way. Since it's Mother's Day today, I feel the best way to celebrate Mother's Day for my lovely wife is to tell stories about her all day. So Marianne has a story that she's told me many times. This is before, you know, we she, we and, I, she and I were together. She was in eighth grade, seventh grade, something like that. Where they, she was there in the church, okay? And the church kids decided that they were gonna do like this cleanup day at church. Okay, like on a Saturday. So they were gonna like, had the liturgy in the morning and then all the youth were gonna like clean the church. So they brought their little brooms and their vacuums and their dusters or whatever. And my wife, I mean, she never missed a good cleanup day. Like, I mean, that's what, like she's made for that, okay? But she's there, you know, seventh grade, eighth grade and she's got her, you know, little boots or whatever it may be and her little sweater and her little vacuum and her little brush, whatever it is. And she shows up there and one of the girls says, this isn't for you. It's just for us. And I'm telling you, Mary Ann, okay you gonna be okay sweetheart (laughs) marianne can tell you the exact details of that event as if it was yesterday that what she was wearing what the girl was wearing okay she remembers all the exact that's why it's like a sore topic now we don't really talk about the event we just talk about the great rejection of 1987 like that's how we refer to it but you know what if you've ever been excluded you remember the details too if you've ever been the guy on the outside, you know the names and the faces and what everyone was wearing. Like if you were, let's say maybe for you it was like your first day in a new school and no one wanted to sit with you at the table and you sat by yourself at lunch and you may have been at that school for five, 10, 15 years but you remember that first day, that lunch and you remember exactly where everyone was. Maybe for you, it was the birthday party. You remember how we were like in, in middle school or elementary school, like being invited to a birthday party was like the thing, like to be invited and everyone else was invited to the birthday party. Okay, and everyone else was going to the birthday party and everyone else was talking about the birthday party and you, you might as well just brand the L right on my forehead for loser because I wasn't invited to that birthday party. Maybe for you, it's actually something recent. Maybe it's something current. Maybe there's like an in crowd at work, like in the office, there's like the crowd in the know that kind of like has the boss's ear and like they get together and they go out to lunch and they kind of talk and you're always the guy on the outside who finds out things secondhand or last minute or something like that. We all know what it's like to feel left out and feel unwelcome, it's not a good feeling. Well, thankfully that will never happen in the church, right? That would never happen in the church. No one would ever come to church and feel unwelcome, unloved. You'd be shocked at the number of people. Now I'm gonna say this and I'm gonna caveat what I'm gonna say. That sometimes people feel unwelcome and it's their own issue. Okay, so I'm gonna caveat that. So just because someone feels unwelcome in church doesn't mean necessarily it's the church's fault. Because sometimes it is in people's head and sometimes it's sometimes just an excuse that people give. So I understand that. But still. Even if it is our duty that the church can never be a place where any of those scenarios, any of those memories, any of those bad feelings, the church can never be that place. And even though some people will, no matter what we do, will feel unwelcome, it won't be because we didn't do our best. There's a lady who doesn't live here, so far away and uh you know keep in touch whatever it is and you know she's in a far away she was here moved away and, and she go visit other churches you know g- try visit these other churches in your area now that you're not here like you got to get connected to a church she went to visit one church and she tried it a couple times she couldn't go back there She said no one talked to me no one even looked at me like she could, felt so unwelcome I said it's okay because I'm a priest so I kind of get it so I'm like okay that's okay give him a pass go to the next one I tried another one didn't work same thing you know she went to a third church you know what she, exactly she told me I wrote it down right here She said, I only pray that someone speaks to me today. That was her prayer going to church on a Sunday. My only prayer is that I go to church and someone says hi to me today, that someone will speak to me today. That can't be, that can't be the church. Like that can be like the mall, that can be like the Costco. That can be like the, the, the ball game. That can't be the church because the church is the body of Christ. And here's what I know about the head of the church who is Christ. Jesus said, John chapter six, verse 37, the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. The one who comes to me, I will by no means reject. The one who comes to me, I will by no means push them away, make them feel unwelcome. Find me one person. And Jesus met a lot of people. Find me one person that Jesus met that he made them feel unwelcome or rejected, even though they were bad. Like they were bad people. Jesus met bad, people. Jesus met very bad people. He met sinful people. He met ugly people, like ugly sinfully, not ugly face. I'm saying like, he met people who were vile. He met people who were murderers. Adulterers, find me one person that ever left Jesus and didn't feel welcome, that felt rejected. If we're his body, it is our duty. It is our duty. It is not an option if we are his body. If we're somebody else's body, okay. But if we are the body of Christ, it is our duty to receive others the way Christ would receive others. It is our duty to accept one another as we have been accepted by him. And we don't have an option when it comes to that. Today, we're gonna look at a story from the New Testament, from the book of Acts. One of the most important stories in the Bible, especially for all of us. And it's a story about, without this story, none of us would be here today. It's a story about the disciples of Jesus after his resurrection, who were struggling with this idea of we can accept people who are strangers, people who are different than us, people whose culture is not like ours, people didn't grow up the way we grew up. They were struggling with this idea of like, what do we do with these people who are different than us? Do we like create a separate place for them? Do we accept them into us? Like we, we don't really know. And these are the people, these disciples who lived with Jesus for three years, ate with him, drank with him, did everything with him. They heard all his teachings. They saw all the miracles. And even after three years of seeing him accept everyone, they still struggled with how could they embrace somebody who was different than him. They struggled with the idea as many, many people do that God could accept and then fill in the blank that God could accept and then fill in the blank. For them, the blank was Gentiles. But for you, the blank may be different. Oftentimes we struggle with the idea that God could actually accept the, and then fill in the blank. The blank could be the bad, the sinful, the people who don't think the way I think, the people who don't vote the way I vote, the people who speak different language, who have different customs, people who dress differently, the people who, who, who celebrate different holidays, They struggled with this idea that God could accept the blank. And I'm telling you that every single one of us, if we're honest, if we're honest, we struggle with it as well. There's someone in our mind, there's some category of people in our mind that like we know like in a theoretical way, God accepts them, but it's really hard for us to embrace them. Well, here's the message that God gave to them that we're going to see in the book of Acts that he gives to us as well. As the church, hospitality, as the church, we must accept and embrace all even those who are different from us. We must accept and embrace, not just accept. Not just accept and say, okay, you guys sit over there. Y'all sit on the right side. We'll sit on the left side and we'll be accepting one another. No, 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 no. That we accept and we embrace people, even if they're different than me. Not saying that we accept sin as Jesus never accepted sin. Because remember, we're the bodies. We're following his lead. But we always accept the sinner. Because there's no one that God looks at and says, get them away from me. There's no one that God looks at and says, too disgusting for me. That's why I said, this is fitting that it's on Mother's Day. Because moms, if there's one thing that moms can do, moms can accept anything. Anything their kid does. Call it love. Call it motherhood. Call it the, it, the, the mom goggles. Okay, call it what you want. Moms can see the good in any situation. Do we got any 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 mom goggles here, mom? Any anyone any one of those? Anyone's any smothers in the room right here? Today, so let me give you some of the definitions. You, you feel free to call out your wife or your mom if this is you. You know the mom? The kid does the finger painting, okay, and it looks like something that that came out like when he was going to the bathroom. Okay, she puts it on the fridge and, and acts as if it's the next Mona Lisa is coming right here. You know the moms who the child starts to play an instrument, a record or whatever it may be. Kid starts to play. The cats from all over the street come and congregate outside and the mom is dialing up American Idol like to enter her child in the contest. The moms who the kid gets a hundred on their first spelling test and they think they should audition for Jeopardy. Or my favorite is the moms who thinks their child will be an international soccer star because he scored a goal at three year old little soccer thing where the average score is 42 to 46, okay? And my child got a goal. And speaking of moms, my lovely wife, Marianne, <laughs> I remember when my son, Michael, okay, first started to play sports, started to play soccer. Okay, Marianne was, Marianne's the best. She's the sweetest, and she's the most encouraging person. She didn't have any idea how any sport is played. <laughs> she didn't have any idea. So she just cheering, and cheering, and cheering, and cheer and cheer and, cheer and, cheer and cheer. doesn't matter what may happen, okay? Michael, like the ball's over there. Michael's running over there. Good job running, Michael. That's very good. Look at the way he runs. Wrong direction, okay? Uh, the ball, and Michael, way to catch that butterfly, Michael. That's good. That butterfly was a threat to the rest of the Okay, good job, Michael. Michael finally gets the ball. He kicks it to the other team. Look, at he's so good at sharing. My boy, is so good at sharing. He's... The church is the mother of us all, is it not? God is our father. Church is our mother. The church needs to be the same way. Not in a, like, can't see reality kind of a way. But in a church has to be the number one cheerleader. Church has to be the place that no matter how much you've messed up, no matter how far you've gone, church is our mother can say, no, you did something good right there. Good job. Church has to be able to see in the middle of all the bad, in the middle of all the bad. No, no, you see that good? They see that potential. Church has to be able to see the people aren't bad. Moms never see their kids as bad. They just need a break. That's what moms are. And that's what the church needs to be. They're no bad people, they're just people who need a break. People just need somebody to believe in them, somebody to encourage them. And that's who we, as the people of God, the church, that's who we have to be. Agree with me on this one. Church has to be the most stranger friendly place on the planet. Anybody disagree with that? The church has to be the most stranger friendly place on the planet and friendliness and, and hospitality needs to be oozing out of us. Again, Old Testament. This is what what Isaiah chapter 56, verse six. Also the sons of the foreigner who joined themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, even them, I will make, I'm sorry, I will bring them to my holy mountain. This is the foreigner. This is him talking about Gentiles when there was no such thing as Gentiles in, in, in the people of God. But he says them, I'll bring them to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, for all nations, all nations, all tribes, all tongues, all political views, all ways of dressing. My house shall be a house of prayer for all those people. We may not be best friends with everybody. We may not understand everybody, but we will accept everybody. We will embrace everybody because it's not our choice. We're the house of God and it is our duty. We're gonna see a story from the book of Acts, chapter 10, where God hammered this message home in the leader of his disciples, St. Peter. Let's get a little context here for Acts chapter 10 before we pick up the story. Acts 10 appears approximately 15, 20 years after the resurrection. So Jesus was with his disciples for three years. He preached to them and love and love and love and love. And he was kind to everyone. And he was hospitable to everyone. And he received everyone and he accepted them. Peter made mistakes, he accepted them back. Everyone made mistakes, he accepted them back. Three years of that. And then he rose up into, he ascended up into the heavens. He rose from the dead, ascended into the heavens. And his last words to his disciples were you go preach to all nations. 15 years later, they still hadn't preached to all nations. Why? Understandably, they had lived their whole lives. Gentiles were bad. They spent their whole, from the minute they were born, they were taught there's Jews and there's Gentiles. And you don't mix with them. You don't eat with them. You don't visit their homes. You don't even talk to them like they are bad news. Some of us, if we're honest, we were trained the same way. There are certain people or people groups or like I said, political parties or people who vote a certain way. We don't mix with them. One time I remember asking somebody like this nice girl, no, no, she voted that. Who cares what she voted? She could be mother of your children. She's a perfect girl for you. But she voted for that in the last election people are trained, that no, no, no. Someone thinks that way, you stay away from them. Someone does that, you stay away from them. They're not like us. That's how they were trained back In Peter's time. And Jesus comes to Peter during his quiet time one day and makes clear to him that, no, 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 in my house, that's not the way we do things. We'll pick up the story here in Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 9. Then the next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on a house, stopped to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they were, while they made ready, he fell into a trance. I love this verse because it shows me I'm not alone. Because when St. Peter went to pray, do his quiet time, two things happened to him. He got hungry and tired. So it's exactly like the rest of us, okay? So anyone who says, I can't pray for hours without getting distracted, don't worry. St. Peter, like us. He got hungry because that second name of Father son, get hungry right away, and then he ended up knocking out, falling asleep during the prayer. The best prayers are the ones where knock you out like that. Anyway, he fell into a trance and saw heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I've never eaten anything common or unclean. Basically, what this is referring to is St. Peter, it sees these animals in front of him that are against the dietary laws of the children of Israel. And, and, and the voice says, eat these things. And he says, no, I can't eat those things. I was trained from when I was young. Those are unclean, common animals. I don't eat those things. Verse 15, and a voice spoke to him again the second time. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. Now, again, me and you, we get this. Clear. The message to Peter is, it's not about animals and food. It's about people. Don't call people animals. Okay, don't call, because they used to call Gentiles dogs. Gentiles are not dogs. Gentiles are not unclean. Gentiles are not bad. In my house, got to have both. Jews and Gentiles. Got to have everybody. So for us, the message is clear. Peter didn't really get it. A few verses later, Peter gets a knock at the door. Now, while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for for Simon's house and stood before the gate. This is earlier in the chapter. Uh, There's a guy named Cornelius who was a Gentile. He's a centurion, he's a Roman. Romans and Jews did not like each other. Okay, especially the Jews, they hated the Romans because the Romans were like their oppressors. There's this centurion, Cornelius, who in his room, okay, earlier that day from wherever it is that he is, starts praying. He was a devout man, a God-fearing man, but he wasn't a Jew. He was praying and God accepted his prayer and God said, Cornelius, even though you're not a Jew, you're a good dude and I wanna bring you into my house. So you send your servants to a guy named Peter and send him to come and tell Peter that I sent for him and you come and to send, bring Peter because Peter's gonna preach to you and bring you into the church. So these guys from cornelius knock at peter's door and say ex- tell him exactly this story what do you think peter is thinking as he sees those gentiles at his door saying come with us we want you to visit cornelius what is peter thinking no sir no sir no sir no no, i ain't go to no house no gentile man i lived my whole life kept myself clean i go to the house of no gentile and then even the, the message from the the vision i'm sure he's praying god please I kept myself pure this whole life. I never dirtied my, defied myself with well, these pigs, with these dogs. Please don't make me do it right now, Lord. But the message was clear. And again, who is Peter? Just so we get the context. Peter's not some racist, uh, some, some bigot. Peter is the one who was with Jesus. Like Peter was the guy, Peter's like the walk on water guy. Peter's like the, do you love me, Peter? Feed my sheep guy. Peter's like the guy on Pentecost who preached in many tongues guy. Like it's Peter. These things that are ingrained inside of us, they don't go away easily. Peter prays about it for a night. Next day, he decides to go with him. Okay, skip ahead to verse 24. And the following day, they entered Caesarea. Now, Cornelius was waiting for them. And look at this. This is the best part that Peter for Peter. Had called together his relatives and close friends. So Peter's like, okay, God, I'll do this thing. But I'm gonna like, sneak in, say hi to the Gentile guy, preach, get out. He gets there, close to town. Who does he see waiting for him? Not just one Gentile. But thankfully, Cornelius had invited the whole town and all his neighbors and all his friends. And they're all waiting there to see the great Peter. And they're going to put Peter in a Gentile circle and like Gentile all over him. Verse 27. And as he talked with them, he went in and found many who had come together. Now, Peter goes inside, all these Gentiles. He's thinking, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me in my life. The next verse, the next verse is the worst way to introduce yourself to people you don't know. The next verse is the worst way to do anything with strangers or guests or people you don't know. Are you ready for the worst possible introduction to Christianity and the gospel, the kingdom of heaven? The worst way to introduce the kingdom of heaven is what St. Peter says next. You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or to go to one of another nation. Let's pause the story right there. You know how unlawful it is for me, a holy man, to eat with you pigs. This is like one of those like, wait, did I say that out loud kind of moments? And you know the worst part? They don't flinch when he says it because they're used to it. Like St. Peter wasn't like, oh wait, did I say that? St. Peter, like it's the equivalent. I'm sorry, like forgive me what I'm about to say. It's like me, someone comes in, walks in off the door and without even flinching, oh, I'm sorry. You're too poor to come in here and hang out with us sorry. I don't hang out with poor people like you. He didn't think like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. I take that back. He's just making a statement. Oh, I'm sorry. You're not, uh, you're not spiritual enough. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm white. You're black. Sorry. That doesn't work. Or I'm black. You're white. Sorry. That doesn't work. Or I'm sorry. You're not, you don't speak my line. I'm sorry. Oh, who'd you vote for? No, no, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no. You support. No, no, I'm sorry. He didn't think anything of it. Just very calmly said, you're a pig, you're a dog. And it's an honor for me Honor for you, for me to be in your presence. And then he says, but God has shown me, saying this is against my will. It's against my will to be here. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. God has shown me that even though I spent my whole life and I was trained, I don't hang out with you. But God has shown me that I can't do that. That there's no one too unclean. There's no one too bad. There's no one too far. All must be embraced in the house of God. The story continues. St. Peter goes in, he preaches the gospel. And then he says, these people need to be baptized. Someone bring some water right here because these people are believers. Okay, and then what it says right here in verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Lesson for Peter, lesson for us is this. I cannot reject the one whom God has accepted. I cannot reject the one whom God has accepted. See, if God didn't accept him, I could reject him. I could say, you know what? You are too bad. But if the one who is holy says not too bad for me, if the one who who accepted me puts his hand and says, no, that one, she's with me. No, 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 he's with me. Who am I gonna come in and say, no, 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 not good enough for me. Like good enough for God, not good enough for me. Let's make this practical. Imagine, imagine one, one day, one Sunday in church. I'm sorry, the Saturday before church. That God sees someone of his children, All people are children of God. One of his children, far from him. Strayed, got messed, uh, entangled with the wrong set of friends pull them down the wrong path. But you know what? They're good on the inside. And God sees them and God does a work inside their heart. And somehow they're moved to say, I'm gonna go to church on Sunday. They're moved to say, you know what? I'm gonna give God one more chance. I'm, 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 you know what? Like, I don't know, I don't know. And God's thinking to himself, like, I'm gonna, I know the best place to send this person. God's what God says. God is saying, I'm gonna send them to this group of people in Arlington at George Mason University. I'm gonna send them to STSA. I'm going to send them to this place. I know they're going to take care of him. I know they're going to embrace him. I know they're going to welcome him with open arms. What is he going to say at the end of Sunday? When he looks down and sees that person. That person may be sitting right next to you right now. You see, I know this because I get the phone calls from the moms. So That's why I know this is from God. I, I get the phone calls from the moms. I get the phone call that says, Father Anthony, please. My son, I know he's lost. I know he's difficult. I know he's so annoying and obnoxious. And I know, and I know, and he gives everyone a hard time. I know. But just give him one more chance. I'm gonna beg him. I'm gonna beg him to come to church on Mother's Day for my sake. I'm gonna beg him. Father Anthony, please, try to grab him. He feels like everyone at church hates him. He feels like he has no friends. And I know it's his own fault because he's a rude, he's an arrogant. And I, know, and I know, and I know, and I know, but I'm his mother and I and I know. What do you want me to say to the mom? No, 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 sorry. We're busy. Mother's Day, we don't have time. What do you say to the mom? Say, you know what? You know, um, I would, but you know, it's kind of awkward for me to introduce myself to new people, so sorry, maybe you can send them somewhere else. Because it's kind of, it's not my gift. It's not my spiritual gift. I'm not good at that. Or I'm gonna say, you know what? Well, the thing is, I would, but you know what? Like, my friends are gonna be there and we're gonna like go out to lunch. So I don't know really if I have time. Maybe you can like send them like, you know, in a couple Sundays. Or, like, is that what you're gonna say? Like, what, do you, what am I supposed to say to the mom? Forget about the mom. What am gonna say to the Father in heaven? I'm busy, it's hard, it's uncomfortable for me. I had lunch plans. Every week, every week, did you know this? Every week, you preach a sermon every single week. Sometimes without even saying a word. Like I preach up here, you preach down there. You preach about God's acceptance. You preach about the love of God for those who are far from God. You preach about the value of every single person, even if they haven't prayed in months, even if they haven't gone to church in years. You preach a message every Sunday. The question is what that message is. Let me show you a nice verse. All the moms will love this verse. Another mom verse Matthew 18, verse 10. Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I say to you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Moms appreciate this verse. What this verse is saying, God is saying, don't you mess with the little one. Don't you mess with the weak one. Like moms love all their kids. But you know who moms love most? The vulnerable kid, the weaker kid, the kid who just needs a little bit of extra. Like you can mess with the kid, but you don't mess with the weak kid. Again, Mother's Day, stories about my wife. My wife's the sweetest lady on the planet. Wouldn't hurt a fly. Unless you hurt one of her children. Then mama bear comes out. One time there was this boy, Michael was in K3, three-year-old class. This one boy pushed him on the playground. Man, I thought we we're going to need security at the Christmas concert, okay? Because I thought, like, honestly, like I had to hold her back. Like it might something might go down because this boy had pushed Michael. You know what? I kind of think God is the same. I kind of think God is the same. Like God loves all his children. But the weak one, the vulnerable one, the feels rejected one, the feels all by himself one, like that one, Watch out. Don't go near that one. Don't mess up with that one because that's the one that I'm sending to you to heal. Now, if you don't want me to send him to you, that's fine. But don't you dare turn him away from my house. Like call yourself something else. Call yourself a country club. Then you turn away whoever you want. Call yourself like a, like a, a book club. That's fine. But you put my name, church. No, you represent me. And no one has the right to push someone away from God's house. few minutes left. Let me give you three practical ways that we can practice this. Okay, three practical ways, and they're all under the same kind of heading. The whole point is, again, it's Mother's Day, so this is perfect. This is the this is the, ask not what your church can do for you, but what you can do for your church. We need to have a, a Mother's Day. We don't say, Mom, I need, Mom, I need, Mom, I need. It's the one day of the year that we say, Mom, what do you need from me? Okay, and we need to do the same thing with the church, that we love the church, and the church feeds us, and the church provides for us. That's the best, but today's Mother's Day. So today I'm saying to the church, mother, what do you need from me? I come here every Sunday. They feed me. They give me the word of God. Like they give me everything that I have. Church, what do you need from me? Mother, what do you need from me? Three things, very easy, very practical. You can start it today. Number one, first thing, greet strangers, not just your friends. Greet strangers, not just your friends. Don't just, I'm telling you, this is the easiest thing that you can do and it takes no effort. The easiest thing that you can do is turn to somebody that you don't know and say hello to them. Like I know there's a temptation that after church to find my friends and to like, we're gonna go out or even before church to sit with my friends. I'm telling you, your friends, you're gonna see them. I know I'm about to say people are gonna take this wrong, but I don't mean it in a bad way. I don't mean this in a bad way, don't take it in a bad way. I know like we like to sit with our spouse and I know that's nice, that's not bad. Or we like to sit with our friends, listen with my girlfriend, sit with my boyfriend. What I'm saying? Sit with someone who has no spouse. Sit with someone who has no boyfriend, no has no girlfriend. Sit with that person. You never see me sit next to my wife in church, obviously, because I'm up here and she's down there, but I'm saying the principal. The principal. I'm going to spend the rest of my day with her. Okay? I'm going to see her every day. And a lot of us who sit with our spouse can't wait to get away from our spouse when we go home. I don't don't know how it works, but somehow in church. Sit with someone who has no spouse. Sit with someone who has no one to sit next to. Okay? Like, we're always going to be there for each other, but... After church, before church, don't just make a beeline to your friends. Make it a goal every day. Just one stranger. And when I say stranger, I don't mean like someone off the street. I mean someone you don't know. Someone who may not know you. That simple. Earlier, I told you about a person who went to a church and no one spoke to them. They said, my prayer is someone will speak to me today. Let me read you the exact opposite. This is a story about somebody here who sent me an email after their first visit. Their first visit. First visit to STSA. And I got an email that said this. says, you don't know me, but I attended liturgy in the well last Sunday. I am a member of another church. And when I saw one of your well presentations online, I put on my 2019 to-do list to visit STSA. I am extraordinarily impressed with your church. I was welcomed as soon as I came through the doors last Sunday, and the connection table, excuse me, did a fantastic job of giving me information about your church. And then she put in parentheses, notwithstanding that I was candid about being a member of another church. Doesn't matter. Your person, so it doesn't matter if you We don't say, you remember another church? Nope, that bag is for me, take that back. That's not how it works, okay? Indeed, I have been extraordinarily impressed with how open and nice everyone in your church has been. I attended a leisure group earlier this week. I absolutely loved it. I also attended a learning group after service last Sunday. I was very impressed with the organization of that presentation as well. Finally, and then they said a person's name, so-and-so, blank. Listen to this. Finally, so-and-so welcomed me into her home the same week setting the example of Christian fellowship. I think what you and your church are doing is truly amazing, truly God's work and truly a model for other churches to follow. Very nice email. That's hospitality. I say this, I used to say this every single Sunday. I know I don't say it anymore because busy in church. I say, you never know. You never know what a handshake or a hug or a smile in the house of God will do for somebody. You never know. You never know. You never know who's walking in the door and saying, no one's gonna say hi to me. No one's gonna say hi to me. No one's gonna, gonna... you don't know. I know, because I hear the stories that I walked in and that's what I said. No one, like I hear it after, but you don't know. So you don't assume. The person next to you, you don't know them. Hi, my name is. Greet strangers, not just friends. Number two, invite someone to church. Invite a friend to church. And why I say this? Because you know what's gonna happen instantly when you invite someone to church who's not a member. It will give you a whole new perspective on Sundays. You don't realize how difficult it is to be a guest and come to a church for the first time until you invite somebody and now you're responsible and you're like, oh, wait a minute, I never realized how hard it is. I never realized how hard it is to go from the garage to this room. I never realized We just take it for granted. I never realized how, how daunting it is to walk into this and not know anybody and not know where the seats are and not know what happens. I never realized that, that, that if, if, if they don't know about the parking pass, they're never gonna get the thing. This is why we say the same announcement week after week after week after week after week. Why? Because every Sunday, one of the things we always say as a staff, every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday. You know that, right? Every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday. And when you have a guest that you invite on a Sunday, it will give you a new perspective on your Sunday worship. You'll be putting yourself... in the the shoes of the guest of the first time, okay? Instead of your own, it'll change your perspective. Last but not least, and I know this one's gonna sound very shocking, something that you should do before church and during church is pray. I'm not saying show of hands, but I wanna ask you honestly, how many of you pray before you come to church? And when I say pray, of course we pray, okay, that God would touch us and would work in us and that we would be fed for sure. But how many of you pray every Sunday for the others who are gonna be coming. And that's what I do every Sunday. I say, God, send the people that you wanna send. And God, touch their hearts. Touch them by a word from me, by a song from our music team. Touch them by a handshake from our connection team. Touch them, Lord, touch them. And you, like this is not surprising to you. You you understand why I pray every Sunday for the people who are coming, right? Well, Well, I'm not the only one who cares about people, right? Like you care too, right? Like you care that the blind can see. You care that the lost get found. You care that, that those who are far come back, like you care about that too, right? Well, if you care about it, pray about it before church. And something you're allowed to do, you know, you're allowed to do during church, you're allowed to pray during church. Did you know that? I know it sounds strange, but you're allowed to pray during church. You gotta pray, say, you know what, Lord, here I am, Father Anthony's walking up down the stage. Lord, touch my heart and touch somebody else's heart. Like this, the point of my message here today is church isn't all about me, church is about us. And we need to get out of the consumeristic mindset of church. What's in it for me? Now we need to look at it and say, how can I be here to serve others who God may be sending? This hospitality thing is so important that we have embedded it into the DNA of STSA. For those who have gone through our membership group, we talk about our, our church core values. We have 10 core values. And the first of those core values is my favorite of them all. It's this, it's limitless acceptance. And it says this, actually, let's read this all together because this is what we believe as a church, what it means to be a member of this church. Read it with me. We believe that every person who enters our church is the most important person in the world. That person is sent by God and should be loved and accepted as such. Every Sunday, God is sending. And you know what? The thing about hospitality, there's no carryover from Sunday to Sunday. Like we can't be like super hospitable like today and then forget about it for the next two or three weeks. Because you know what? Every Sunday is someone's first Sunday and that, all that matters is that particular Sunday, no one said hi to me. That particular Sunday, I was made to feel like an outsider. That particular Sunday, I walked up to a group and they were all in a circle and no one opened the circle for me. All that matters is that particular Sunday. So every Sunday, this is our attitude. Every Sunday, God is sending someone into our church, into our fellowship right here. And that's the most important person in the planet because God sent them. You do not wanna answer. You don't want to answer to my wife for what you did to her kids? And I promise you, you don't want to answer to our Heavenly Father for what we did to His kids. But let's flip it and make it positive. You can't wait. If you were to do something kind for one of my children, the reward I have for you, don't do anything for me, do it for my children. That would make me happier than anything in this universe. You want to know what puts a smile on God's face more than anything else? Then when we open up our arms, and we welcome in His children, even though they're different, Even though they don't look like us, even though they don't talk like us, but we welcome them with open arms. We all, going back to the start of this talk, we all know what it's like to feel unwelcome. Let's make a commitment that we will do everything in our power. Again, it's not 100% on us. Everything in our power to make sure that no one walks into this church and has that same feeling. Let's stand together and pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we thank you from the bottom of our heart for the way you've accepted us and embraced us, even though, Lord, we are so different and we're so foreign and we don't belong anywhere near you. But you've accepted us, Lord, with an incredible love, limitless acceptance, and I pray that you would give us that same spirit, that this house would be a house of prayer for people of all nations, and that anyone, Lord, that you send, we are, are, are committing to you, Lord, that we will accept and embrace. We'll never accept sin, but we'll always accept sinners and embrace them the way you did for us, the way you taught us to do for one another. We pray these things in the mighty name of your Son, with the prayers of all your saints. Here says we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.